Back to InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. It's one of the things that gives us life. Water. Without it, we die. But could our water now be killing us? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall has the disturbing facts direct from a medical expert. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Throughout history and in underdeveloped parts of the world, taking a drink of water from the local lake or river meant flirting with things like typhoid and cholera. Have we gotten too complacent about the sources of our water here today? Our guest today is Dr. Robert D. Morris, epidemiologist and author of The Blue Death, Disease, Disaster, and the Water We Drink. Welcome to InfoTrack, Dr. Morris. Thank you. Happy to be here. You start with the 19th century cholera epidemics in London and the uphill battle one doctor faced with trying to isolate the cause and affect a clean water supply. So 150 years later, with all the ways we have to filter and purify water, we still see outbreaks of waterborne illness, and the water supply is the last thing we suspect. Have we gotten too complacent? Water is really one of those things we all tend to take for granted. We assume that we're going to go to the tap and turn it on and water is going to come out and it's going to be clean. And it's one of those assumptions that tends to get us into trouble. How so? Well, the problems with our water begin with the source, which is often surface water that receives treated sewage, untreated sewage, industrial waste, farm runoff, and obviously needs substantial purification before we can drink it. But if you start with compromised water, you make a much tougher challenge for yourself in terms of purifying it. So I think the first thing we got to do is do a better job of protecting our water supplies. Our water treatment plants are often 50 to 100 years old, and the technology they rely on is more than 100 years old. So we have an infrastructure issue when it comes to our water treatment plants. And perhaps the most daunting challenge is the pipes that that water goes into before it gets to our house, which are old, leaking. It's common for a city's water supply to leak a third of the water into the ground that goes into the pipe. And the National Academy of Sciences has estimated we're going to have to spend somewhere close to a trillion dollars in the next 40 years just replacing pipes in the United States. So there are challenges to the water supply from start to finish. A lot of the waterborne scourges that were commonplace a couple hundred years ago, like cholera, like typhoid, really are not part of our disease landscape today, at least in the United States. But what are the more common types of waterborne illnesses hospitals are seeing? There's cryptosporidiosis. There are viral illnesses. There are a number of different diseases that can occur through drinking water, and I argue in the book that, in essence, we are sort of the super value meal on the planet. If an organism can figure out how to get to us, it's going to be a very successful microorganism. And so, in a way, what's happened with something like cryptosporidium is we have an organism that's very small, small enough to get through a sand filter, and is completely resistant to chlorine. And that caused a huge outbreak in Milwaukee, and I think continues to cause waterborne disease in the United States and throughout the world. Speaking of chlorine, because this is a common method of purifying water, you also write that chlorine itself is suspected in creating health problems. Well, you know, you have a challenge. You're trying to add something to the water that's going to kill everything in it. And so you have to add something pretty potent to do that. And chlorine was actually the first agent used in gas warfare. 
So it's a powerful chemical, and when it gets added to water, it reacts with chemicals that are already in the water, whether they're from rotting leaves or algae or whatever might have been in the water, and forms a whole raft of chlorinated chemicals, many of which are toxic and are suspected of causing cancer and other health problems. So we're trading off a more immediate disease for something further down the line? I think there is certainly an element of that. Everybody in the water business wants to provide clean water, but they know that the thing they're going to get in most trouble for is if there's an outbreak of waterborne disease. So they're much more comfortable with adding chlorine to make sure they kill what's in the water than they are with reducing the amount of chlorine to prevent a cancer that might not occur for 10 or 20 or 30 years. Is bottled water safer than tap water? This, of course, has been in the news a lot lately. And bottled water, there's nothing in the regulation of bottled water that guarantees it's going to be cleaner than tap water. On the other hand, most water suppliers do try to find a relatively pure source or they filter the water in some way. I mean, all this recent news about Aquafina and other bottled waters that start as tap water is true, but what's often lost is that they apply many layers of filtration to that before they put it in a bottle. The other side of that is that this is a pretty expensive and inefficient way to provide drinking water. You've got to put it in the bottle and ship it around, and you've got to make the bottle, which it takes more water to make the bottle than you put inside it. So it's not a particularly efficient or environmentally benign process. And I think we can, in some ways, you, you can make your own bottled water by uh, putting a home filter on your tap. Bottled water or not, whatever the source, isn't the supply of water endangered around the world, especially clean water? Absolutely. And the two really go hand in hand because the more your water supply is stretched, the more you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to look at less and less pure waters as a place to go. There was just a study that was done in Australia where they looked at water supplies throughout the country and concluded that every major city or almost every major city in Australia was going to need to find new sources of water in the next decade. And they were looking at desalinization and they were looking at reusing their wastewater. So those are sort of extreme situations, but that's where many places in the world are headed. Does that look like our future here in the U.S.? Certainly in you know, areas of the west and southwest where the supply of water is limited, those cities are facing a real daunting problem. But you know, even in London, I mean, London just announced that they were going to build a desalinization plant because a recent drought had depleted their water so severely. So the quantity of water and the quality of water are closely linked. And what can we as citizens and humans do about this looming problem? The one point I would think is very important to make in all of this is that the most horrific example of the problem with water is not in the United States or Europe. It's in the developing world where we can expect today that some 6,000 people are going to die from bad water, and most of them are going to be children. And that's a tragedy of epic proportions. And I also feel that if we don't do something about it, that problem is going to find its way back to us. The microbes always seem to win out in the end. Well, that's sort of my point in the book, is that this is something where we can't really afford to let our guard down. It's just too important. And one of the reasons I went back into the history of water is to remind people we have collectively forgotten the horrific state of things when water supplies were contaminated and 
thousands and thousands of people were dying from cholera and typhoid. And we need to realize that that's not a situation we would ever want to go back to. This was really a condition where the viability of the modern city was at stake. If you want more information, you can go to my website, which is thebluedeath.com. We've been talking with Dr. Robert Morris, author of The Blue Death, Disease, Disaster, and the Water We Drink. Dr. Morris, thank you so much for being with us today on InfoTrack. Thanks very much. For InfoTrack, I'm Taryn McCall. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.